You are listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. Awaken Church is a diverse community of authentic love and hope where you can belong as you change and change as you follow Jesus. Good morning, everybody. Today's sermon will come from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. And it reads, Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at, time, at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by setting aside in his flesh the law with his commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who are far away, and peace to those who are near. For through him, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you are too being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Thank you. Amen. You can be seated. Wow. don't do this very often, but I just feel like led to do something that's off the script real quick. Because we just sang a couple songs about being free, and then that song cycles, man. You kind of reckon me with that. And if there's anybody that's like, you would just say, you know what, I've, I've kind of got that cycle thing going on, and I just want some help. Just stand up real quick, and I'm going to pray for all of us, self-included, that's got some cycles we want to break right now. Lord, we just, we just come to you right now. Lord, we just want to pause for this moment and thank you that you are the God who breaks every chain. And we thank you, Lord, that we can come to you and, and just confess to you. It's admitting, it's admitting to ourselves, Lord, it's agreeing with you because you already know that, Lord, we've got some cycles. And these cycles, Lord, we, we know like that song says, Lord, it's the devil trying to, to keep us in that, keep us locked down, to keep us discouraged or distracted or just destroyed. And, Lord, we just come in the name of Jesus right now, Lord, and claim the victory that you've already won over these cycles. And so, Lord, for every one of us in this room, we don't need to know what anybody else's business is, but, Lord, you know it all. So take these cycles, Lord. Break the cycles that are unhealthy and put us, Lord, on the road to healthy cycles in your name, by your spirit, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So back in, man, the 1800s, things were a little bit different <laughs> than things are now. Actually, about 100 years after this country got freedom, in the late 1860s, there was uh, the current laws were that the only people that could vote, and this is on my mind because I've been watching the Democratic, you know, they all are, are I call it debate, but they're arguing about who's better and who's, 
who's not better and all that. And so it's all in my mind. So I was thinking about this, and I read a story that I heard a long time ago, kind of refreshing me. And to vote in the late 1800s, you had to be a landowner, you had to be a male, and you had to be white. And that was, that was, we've come a long way since then. But there's a story about this small town in Michigan called Covert, Michigan. And in 1868, they did something that was, it was the first for this country, for this nation. In 1868, they elected to public office a gentleman whose name was Dawson Pompey. Dawson Pompey was a, a black man. Now, it was, it was not legal for, for, for black folks to vote. And it was also not legal for a black man to run for office. So he couldn't run for office, and yet he got elected. They voted him in, and it was a, it was a kind of a uh, over the city, a supervisory role. And, and all the people he was supervising were white workers. This was like a, this is a first, y'all, in 1868. So by 1875, this community of covert Michigan, the white residents who had the only ones who had, were allowed to vote, they had elected numerous African Americans into public office positions. This was taking place in this little community in Michigan while the rest of the country is just going crazy during this time. If you know history, the 1868, during those 1860s, it was not so good. They were doing something there, including during that time, the very first black justice of the peace was elected and he wasn't even allowed to run. That's awesome. I mean, that's, that was, they were woke before woke was a thing. If, you know what I'm saying? And, and, and I love that. I read this, and I realize decent people, they chose to get along regardless of what was happening in the rest of the country. They just chose, we're going to get along. We're going to put this guy, he's the best man for the job. He's not allowed to run legally, but you know what? We're going to vote him in. And that's what they did. They voted him in. Living in harmony. Why is it so difficult? living in harmony. What are, what are some of the challenges? You Give me some answers. What are some challenges to living in harmony today? We don't have to keep it just on, you know, the racial thing, but, but just overall, keep, keeping it, you know, all kind of ways that we see ourselves. What's some challenges to living in harmony? Selfish. selfish? Yeah. So you could be selfless or you selfish. You have to choose. So yeah, probably selfishness is a, is a thing that keeps us from living in harmony. Absolutely. What else? Politics. Yep. Those guys, I'm like, all the black voters like me better. No, they like me better. And I'm like, what? <laughs> Seriously, that, I watched the debate. That's what they were saying. I'm like, like that's, your, that's your platform? No, that's just one part of it. Yeah. That, seriously. I don't know if anybody else bothers to watch these things. But I was watching that, and they were like arguing about that. Come on. What else? That's, I don't want to stay too long in politics, but that's absolutely a big one. What else uh, causes us to not live in harmony? Difference in religion. So we have difference in religion. Also, we have, like, even, we've talked about this last couple of weeks, too. Even within Christianity, you have difference in denomination, different, that kind of stuff. So that can definitely be something that would uh, challenge our harmony. Anything else before we move on? History? Yeah, history. Yeah. We're going to dig deeper in that a little bit today and even more next week. How, how our history uh, our history is how we see our present reality. And our histories aren't the same. See, I'm, I'm learning stuff too. <laughs> yeah. What else? Okay, your, your background, your founding backgrounds. Absolutely, that could keep us. Uh, that's a challenge to us living in harmony, absolutely. So we're in this series that we're calling Kingdom Culture. 
And it's where we're taking this deeper dive into what the culture of God's kingdom looks like and how we, followers of Jesus, uh, the church, should be living this out in this current culture that we find ourselves in. So Tariq spoke a couple weeks ago to kick this off for us. Actually, the whole God kind of brought us the idea of kingdom culture uh, from, from Tariq. And he kind of put it this way. We're all pieces to a puzzle. No piece exactly the same, but we make one picture when we all come together. And that picture, we realized, we, we looked at last week, there's a picture, a puzzle of Jesus. And I don't know if we have that up there. But, but you know, we, when the church comes together, that's what it looks like. It's, we are a picture of Jesus when we live and go forward in humanity. Uh, harmony. <laughs> Humanity and harmony. We should have that right. It should be humanity. Right? <laughs> Put it together. Yes. So Ephesians 2 is where we're at, and we're going to dig a little bit deeper into that scripture that we read this morning with this big idea. Harmony in the culture begins with harmony in the house of God. And again, I listen to both sides of the political thing saying it starts, with, it starts with us. It starts with us. It starts with the government. It starts with bipartisan this, this, and this. And I'm like, harmony in this culture is going to have to start in the house of God, as it should if there's any place that should, you should be able to find harmony, it's among the people of God. The one God should bring his one people together in harmony. So Jesus, here's the first thought I want to put on that, that big idea. Jesus replaces hostility with harmony. Jesus replaces hostility with harmony. If we read through the scriptures, harmony is one of the greatest themes in all the scriptures. We can go all the way back to what we call Old Testament, to Genesis, which means the beginning, the beginning of all things. And we find that the world is fallen and it's broken. And then in Genesis chapter 12 and then again in chapter 15, God comes to a man named Abraham. His name's Abram, but later we know him as Abraham. And he makes what's called a covenant. It's this, this promise. And he says, I'm going to bring harmony to all things, all people groups. And you, the whole world is going to be blessed through you. He says, I'm choosing you to, to start something new, a new nation, through which all the rest of the world is going to be blessed and find harmony. And Jesus comes in the New Testament. Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise. Jesus is the harmony through the, the, the nation of Abraham, the Jewish people, that God promised that would bring all people into the family of God, into the harmony with God. And then we fast forward to like the end. We started Genesis, but we go all the way to the end in Revelation. And we find like we looked at last week in chapter 7 of Revelation, it shows this, this, this picture of the kingdom of God. It shows the kingdom culture and it's men and women from every tribe, tongue, and nation. It's a multicultural expression of faith and worship before the throne of Jesus. All right, we just went from Genesis to Revelation and but I guess we can be done now. We just covered the whole Bible in like first five minutes. <laughs> but now let's go deeper. Because after all this time, we see this. This is, the, this is like our Bible. This is the, this is the way it's, it's supposed to be. Revelation is this, is this is the kingdom of God and what it really should look like. And after all this time, why is it that, and I'm talking, I'm talking they, call about, they talk about preaching to the choir. I get that's what I'm doing this morning. But why is it that the church hour is still the most segregated hour in our culture? It is, if you think about it. When we go to school now, we th we're all, all different people are together. We go to work most of the time all together. We, we have families now, very blended all together. But when we go to church, we don't see this. Even though we have a small group here, we don't see this in church, do we? I've never experienced this before. I've been in all kinds of churches. Why is it? 
that when God's people are supposed to have the kingdom culture where people in Revelation 7 of all nations, all tongues, all tribes are gathered together, together around the throne of Jesus, we still are so separated for one hour or more, in some cases, on Sunday morning. Jesus taught about harmony, but he didn't just teach it, he modeled it. He modeled it too, especially racial harmony, which is actually a big theme in the Gospels that we kind of skip over a lot of times. Um, but he says this. This is Jesus speaking in John 10, 16. I have other sheep too. He's talking to his, his flock who are Jewish followers. I have other sheep too that are not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice and there will be one flock with one shepherd. Jesus is preaching to a group of people that felt like they were the ethnic elite of their time. They believed that, that anyone of a different group was unclean. They even used that word, unclean. And, and they were, it was against the law for you to go into their home. And it's a very much against the law to have them into your home. You don't have them around your table. I mean, the, the, the table, come to the table, was a big thing. And you just don't do that. You don't associate them with anyway. And then Jesus says, hey, I'm inviting them into this house. And I'm inviting them to this table. He's telling it to these, these people who are like, we, have, we are ethnically, we're gods, we are the favorites, we're the ones. And everybody else is unclean. And God's, Jesus is saying, I'm going to flip that. I'm bringing everybody to the table. One flock with one shepherd. So there was this group at the time called Samaritans. If you've been to church a minute, Sunday school or something, you've probably heard this, the Good Samaritan. Jesus makes this, you know, the Samaritans and the Jews hated each other. Jews hated the Samaritans, but it also went the other way. Samaritans hated them, and it was very much a racial thing. And here we go. The Jews would not would go to the temple historically. When they would go to the temple and pray, thanking God for, for the forgiveness of sins and his provision, and would you please... When the Samaritans go and pray for forgiveness, would you not forgive their sins? They pray, seriously, how much do you have to hate somebody to go to worship and pray to God? Don't listen to them, Lord. Don't forgive them. Please don't forgive them. Now, you've probably been mad at somebody in your life, and you're like, you get them, God. If you did, you need to repent from that. But I'm saying they did this regularly. It was a part of worship. Do, God, don't listen to their prayers. So Jesus makes the Samaritan a hero of one of his most famous stories, a parable called the Good Samaritan. Have you ever heard about the Good Samaritan? You heard that phrase? It comes straight out of the Bible, straight out of Jesus' teaching. And he makes the hero of a story a Samaritan. And the story he's telling is to Jewish followers. He flips the script. Then Jesus goes, to, he takes it even further. Because um, he has a, he got one time, he, they would go around this region called Samaria where the Samaritans were to go from one one place where the Jewish people live to the other place, they would go around Samaria. Jesus one time said, we have to go through Samaria. We're not going around. We're going through. We're not taking the long way. We're taking the direct path that nobody takes. And they went through Samaria, and he stops at this well. And there's this woman at the well, and he has this conversation with her. And it is unheard of. It is so, you know, the, the religious people would say the sacrilegious. She even questioned him, why are you talking to me? You're a Jewish man, and I'm a, I'm a Samaritan woman. One, strike one, Jews and Samaritans, don't, we don't talk to each other. Two, this culture, very much different than what we know, a woman was not allowed to speak to a man, especially in public, who was not related to her. I mean, this is not her brother or her cousin. You're not supposed to speak to him in public. She's not done. 
Another thing, she was also known to be a very sinful woman. So Jesus, he's got the, there's this triple whammy. That's an old phrase for like three strikes. Three strikes and you're out. And Jesus is like three strikes and you're in because this is the first person he tells that he's the Messiah. It's the first person he stops and he tells this person, Samaritan woman who's sinful, and he says, I am the Messiah in their conversation. So Jesus, man, he goes, he goes way against what the cultural norm is there. Thing for us though, we tend to drift towards that comfort. We tend to allow the comfort of likeness to pull us away from the beauty of diversity. We tend to drift towards more who's like us and what's like us and away from the beauty of diversity. Jesus leads us out of our comfort zones and into harmony in diversity. And diversity is difficult, it's messy. I get it. There's landmines that we don't even know they're there. And there's landmines and we step on them and things blow up. And then we either have to say, I'm sorry, or, or you're, just, you're just too easily offended. <sighs> I'd rather just say, man, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to say that again. I don't want to go that way again. I don't want to have that attitude again. Harmony is not a social issue. Harmony is a gospel issue. That's why I don't think it's going to come from, from politics or government or education or entertainment or sports. It's going to come from the church because harmony is not just a social issue. Harmony is a gospel issue. And if we're going to be the church of Jesus and be more like Jesus and not just give that lip service but actually be more like Jesus, then what's going to happen is we're going to start experiencing harmony for real. Back to Ephesians 2, verse 11, he says, Don't forget you Gentiles. Again, Gentiles, also Jews, didn't always get along very well. You Gentiles used to be outsiders. You were called heathens and dogs by the Jews. You lived without God and without hope. But now you have been united with Christ Jesus. Jesus brought peace to us because Jesus is peace. On the cross, he broke the walls of hostility that separated us. The walls, he's the, Jesus broke the walls of hostility that had separated us. Jesus replaces hostility with harmony. And so we should be able to celebrate because we're one. We, could, we should. We, we ought to celebrate our differences because we are one. Now, we mentioned this dividing wall of hostility last week just, just for a minute. And in the temple in Jerusalem, this was what's called the Herodian temple. In other words, it wasn't the original temple that, that Solomon built. It was a later, that, had, that temple had been destroyed. Now another temple had been replaced and built by Herod. And it's called the, the, temp, the Herodian temple. But it's still the, the temple of God. And in this temple in Jerusalem, there are three courtyards. There's the outer courtyard. It's also known as the courtyard of the Gentiles. Then there's the inner courtyard, which is known as the, the, the inner courtyard is the, the courtyard of the Jews. But then there's the innermost courtyard, which is the place where only Jewish men could go, not women, and only Jewish men who were known to be like, they kept the law and all the sub-laws and all the, you know, they, they, they were like, you know, they were the, you know, the landowner guy that had the right to vote. That's who the, that was who was allowed in the innermost court. And then uh, archaeologists, when they discovered the walls and they found this is all archaeology has shown, these, these courtyards, on the outer wall, Written in stone on the wall is a sign that says, basically, if you translate it, Gentiles that pass this wall will be put to death. In other words, you can come into the temple, but you've got to stay in your section. And we're not going to get mad at you if you cross it. We're just going to go ahead and kill you because you're not allowed in this part. 
They were, and they had some very religious reasons why they, why they did that. It's hostility. This wall of hostility was real. Where do we find hostility today? We don't have a lot of walls anymore. Thank God that have, you go past here, you can't do this. You drink, you drink this fountain, water fountain, and you can't drink it that well. We don't have a lot of that anymore, do we? Not, not actually written in stone. I mean, not saying it doesn't exist sometimes in some people's minds, but it's not written in stone anymore in our culture. But this was, and we still find hostility today, though, right? There are some places we do. Ephesians 2 says Jesus broke down that wall of hostility to separate us, and he did this by ending the system of the law and his commandments and regulations. That made so many people mad. But he did it. He made peace between these different people groups by creating in himself one new people. One new people. Now, this was originally written in Greek. And so this word new here, there's several Greek words for new, but specifically the word here is kainos. Let me just say kainos. Yeah, it's not like chaos. That's a whole different thing. Kainos is, it's not just new, but a new kind. It's, it's unprecedented, unheard of. We haven't seen this before. It's not a new car. It's the first car. It's not, a new, it's not like a new upgrade to your phone, a new version of your phone. It's the very first phone. This is what he's like. This is something brand new. It's not hard. So this group of people, this all of humanity, and made something chaos. Brand new. It's not heard of before. It's completely different. Now, I said this before. I used to kind of kind of pride myself and say, well, I'm colorblind. And that kind of comes up, that comes with my in the 80s. That was kind of some some of us in the 80s, and we had I had the T-shirt. It said "Love, see no color," and you know, and I had you know, and that was just my thing. And we just kind of had that was part of the deal. Color, even had some songs, "Love is colorblind," and I'm colorblind, you know, and all that. And and I've come to realize that it was I kind it's kind of wrong. Oh, I don't want to be colorblind. We're not supposed to be colorblind. Living in harmony harmony doesn't mean colorblind. It means we see all the colors as beautiful. We our eyes are open. That's why the word is woke. Your, your eyes are open. You see all the colors, and they're beautiful. Now, we've established something, and in case you missed it, a couple weeks ago, Tariq pointed this out. I did a little research. I wanted to back him up, and I'll just do it again. I'm white. <laughs> <laughs> I'm white. <laughs> and, and you know what? When I look at this idea of harmony, I, I shouldn't have to feel guilty about that. I feel guilty about some things that have happened. But I'm born to white parents. I didn't have a choice in that. My history is you know, Irish and Scottish and German and Austrian. With just a, now, my great-great-grandmother was a tunica Native American. I, you know, I got a little splash of cool, but everything else is not. <laughs> Don't laugh. You got less. It gets, it gets less with each generation, son. And I'm like, but I don't, you know, but, be, but again, watching what you say. Because if I say, well, I'm white and proud, that means something completely different, right? You say black pride, I know what you mean. I'm not offended by it. If I say white pride, I don't want to be known for that because that's a whole other thing, and I'm not that, Right? I, but I shouldn't feel guilty about the fact that I'm born to my two parents who I love and who love me and who hopefully have brought me up right and better. So harmony isn't about erasing our differences. It's about embracing our differences. Even celebrating 
our differences. We don't have to erase our differences to live in harmony. Let's embrace them. Look at it like this. I have three boys. Yeah, skin color and that kind of stuff I look pretty much the same. There's, there's a few differences. But they are completely different, though. If you were to hang out with Christian and Jericho and Nile, and many of you have, they are completely different. Totally different. Yet, we all belong together and form one family. We belong together and form one family no matter how different we are. No matter how different they are, they are all three my sons. No matter how different all of us are when we look at each other, we are all the sons and daughters of God. We have one Father. So this is what Jesus has done. It's a celebration. Church should be a celebration of what Jesus has done. He's made us one. Verse 18. Now, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. Then he goes on in verse 19. So you are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. What that says to me is, I have more in common with an Iraqi Christian than an American who is not. That's real. And a lot of people don't like that when you say that. Well, that's not very patriotic. I don't care. <laughs> I have more in common with an Iraqi Christian than an American citizen who is not. That means I have my, my citizenship, our true citizenship, followers of Jesus, is the kingdom. That's where our true citizenship is. Absolutely. Our true citizenship is in the kingdom of God. This means I have more in common with a brother, sister, in the name of Jesus, who is African-American or Latino or Indian or Asian than I do with another middle-aged white dude from the South who's not a believer. I have conversations. People that look, well, nobody looks just like me. I mean, the hair is weird. But, but guys will come in and, we'll, and just like strike up a conversation like you do in the South, which is one reason I love living in the South. I'm an extrovert. I love that you can just strike up conversations wherever you are. And dudes that look just like me, who, I'm not going to judge them, but don't have the same ideals I do. Just assume I do because of the skin color and stuff. And they'll say something, and I'm like, you got the wrong guy. You see, I follow Jesus. Oh, I believe in God. No, 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 no. I follow Jesus. And in Jesus, there is no separation. We celebrate the diversity of God. Well, okay, okay. In the kingdom culture, we celebrate the differences because we're one. We're one. And if real change is going to happen, we have to be one. If real change is going to happen in the culture, it requires a real change in us. Real change in the culture requires, requires a real change in us. It starts with real change in us. You guys, you guys remember crayons? Anybody still use crayons quite a bit? Yes. All right. So cray crayons, not the little eight pack or even the 16, but you get to 32, 64, then it goes like 108, and then it's like ridiculous. You get the big box, and there's all these colors like cerulean, magenta, fuchsia, and then they're just making up stuff, like just making up stuff to put it on there. What is it? Apricot. Apricot. Pickle me pink. <laughs> And there was always one I remember in there, because I used to color all, I love color. And this, this crayon, it was called the flesh color. 
and you would pull that out, and, and the flag, because the reason was because people were, you know, as a kid, you hear, well, people are black, people are white. And I'm like, well, if I color this picture with a white, it just doesn't look right. I mean, you can't use white for skin. So they came out with flesh. So they pull out that flesh-colored crayon, and it, like, they all look like this. And I, you just, you know, psychologically, you just kind of accept that. Then I saw this picture right there, and it's all the different shades. And it was, I just found this by Googling, you know, stuff for this sermon, actually. And this picture popped up, and I'm like, what? That, that's a whole sermon in one picture. And I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I'm changing and growing and understanding. Real change starts with us. It starts with me. So, so what change do you see in the, that needs to happen in this culture? We don't have time probably to discuss all that right now, but start processing it. What change do you think? Man, I really need, we really need to see this change in our culture. And then look in the mirror. How, how does that start with me? How does that change will start with me? Verse 20 says, all of this is built on a solid foundation. And it's a very specific foundation. Unapologetically, he says, this is built on the one foundation. It's called, his name is Jesus. One foundation. His name is Jesus. Very specific. Jesus is the cornerstone. Then it goes on and says, we are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. So you don't got to worry about that temple with its separation and its walls of division because I'm building a new temple. And it ain't a building. It's you. It's us. We, the people, are the temple. So he says we're becoming the temple, right? So becoming means we're growing into it. Like it's, we're not quite there yet. And we understand that. We grow into the temple of God. We grow into the household of faith. And in Awaken, this, this year actually, we've been talking about we want to grow this year. And we decided what it means for us to grow this year is that we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to invite others. We're going to, as we become like Jesus, we're going to invite others to journey with us. That's what we're talking about. We're not waiting until we have it all figured out before we invite others to join us on this journey. We're going to continue on this journey and invite others as we go. That's how we're going to grow. So we want to be more like Jesus, and that means we seek harmony in the house of God. And the house of God isn't a building. I don't know what somebody taught you growing up, but the house of God is not, this, is not the same thing as the house of worship. The house of worship is a building where you go. Every Sunday, I love that this movie theater transforms into a house of worship. Why? Because the house of God comes here. We are the house of God, the temple, as it says right here. So something Tariq said again uh, a couple weeks ago was, in order to connect, we have to sacrifice our comfort. That is so true. In order to connect, we have to sacrifice our comfort. That's different for everybody. It's, it's for some people, because, you know, again, I just go and talk to people meet people. This week I just went up to, uh, to the university on Thursday and just kind of sat down for about an hour or so with Tariq and Juwan in, the, in VIX, in the, in the student union, just hanging out. And you could tell that some people were kind of uncomfortable, kind of, who's this white dude? <laughs> but most people come by like, hey, and they're like, hey, this is my pastor. Hey, how you doing? Hey, give him a card, invite him to church. That was awesome. Like, this, here you go, invite you to church. But for some people, yeah, that's really uncomfortable. And you may have to sacrifice your comfort in order to connect with somebody. Because that sacrifice is a true testament of your love. Your sacrifice of your comfort in order to connect is for the betterment of all of us. Thank you for that, Tariq, because you said that. And it just stuck with me. Our tendency, though, is to have our dinner tables filled with people who look just like us. 
have our homes filled with people who look just like us. But the same point of view, and it goes from not just skin color, but politically, because I guarantee you it's difficult because not everybody in my family, speaking out my you know, relatives, have the same political view I do. And a lot of times I just sit and listen and look at my wife when she's getting mad. And I'm just, I'm just like, <laughs> they so silly. She's just mad. No, I'm not just silly. Sometimes you just have to keep your mouth quiet. Sometimes you do need to speak up. But what about our dinner table? What about us? Who are you doing life with? Who are you sharing your walk with? By the way, everybody here is invited to our dinner table when we're dismissed. We have baked potatoes and all kinds of stuff you put on your baked potatoes, and they're huge potatoes. So you're welcome to come to our house, sit at our table when we dismiss here in just a minute. For those who are joining us online, sorry about your luck. <laughs> Somewhere back in the 80s or 90s, the church started to grow silent on a lot of things. We were afraid of hurting feelings. We started going with the flow of culture. But the church is to have a kingdom culture, not to flow with the culture's culture, but to have a kingdom culture and live out that culture in the world we find ourselves in. Our world needs this harmony. Our world needs this. And I believe with all this within me, the church has to lead the way. Because the way of the gospel is reconciliation, and we have to live it out. And if you're like, man, Pastor Steve, we're out of time, but I want to hear more about this reconciliation. We'll come back next week. <laughs> next week's all about the reconciliation way. We're going to get there. Harmony in the culture begins with harmony in the house of God. So next steps. I got a couple of that. One just came to me, and I'm like, you know what? Not everybody's done this, but, you, but, but I think everybody needs to. It should be required reading Dr. Martin Luther King's letters from a Birmingham jail. You may have to like, check it out uh, of the library. I don't know. I know it's online because that's where I read it. And you can go online, and it take, took me about 45 minutes just to read it straight through. So it's not like a whole, it's not like a book. It's like a, like a chapter of a, two chapters of a book. It's awesome. It's, it's just, it's amazing. I know some of y'all probably read it, but I would say, read that if you have not. And then I would say, man, pray. Specifically, Lord, let it start with me. But be ready. Because when it starts with you, you may have to step out of your comfort zone. He may be calling you to, Come to a city or a small town where you don't know anybody <laughs> to do something that you've been told can't happen. It's impossible. He may call you to step out on faith. He may be calling some people to stay in a small town for longer than they anticipated. I don't know. I'm not God. But I do know if you pray, Lord, there's some change that needs to happen. Let it start with me. He's going, to get, he's going to open up those opportunities. You'll have to step out of that comfort zone. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for just the transformation that has already happened. And Lord, sometimes we, we fail to see it because we still, in our flesh, separate ourselves and divide ourselves in kind of, all kinds of ways. And we've talked about that for a couple of weeks now, Lord. We know we can understand how we got here and, 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 and why it's happened. But Lord, your word shows us Jesus has done the work of reconciliation. 
the walls that divide us have been torn down. And not just the physical walls, but spiritual walls are torn down. So Lord, may we cross those walls, cross the threshold, and find unity together. Because, Lord, today this is a message for the church. This is not a, you know, message, hey, you need to find Jesus and get saved, which is what we all need to do. But, Lord, what today you're speaking to us who are already following you. And, Lord, you're, you're saying, live this, be this. Open your heart to this. So, Lord, may we do that. Whether we stay a small group or become a booming church, Lord, that's all. That's up to you. It's, it's your plan. It's your vision. It's your church. But Lord, may we be a picture of your culture, of your kingdom culture. May we be people from every tribe and nation and tongue, even in a small group, just gathered together about the one thing we have in common, no matter what, and that's Jesus. We gather at the throne of Jesus. And now in a, in a way, Lord, we just metaphorically put on those white robes and, and lift up those palm branches and with a united voice worship you. The all praise and glory and honor and power to our King, the Lamb who sits upon the throne. Jesus, you have changed us. Now, continue to change us and use us, work through us to change our culture. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Awaken Natchitoches podcast. It's our hope that you have been encouraged by today's message. Find out more about Awaken Church at awakenla.church or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at AwakenChurchLA.